Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, joined today by Kyle McKelvey. Today on the podcast, we're previewing all the action from the seventh weekend of college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. Here we are, Kyle, at the end of March, about to flip the calendar into April. Spring has sprung. It is officially the heart of college baseball season. And it's a bit chilly down here in, in the deep in the heart of Texas. I was I was cold last night at the game I went to. Oh, do I am I supposed to clap when you say deep in the heart of Texas? What what are the rules <laughs> yeah. around that? <laughs> clap, clap, clap. Yep. Yeah. The uh someone who probably was a little bit colder than me last night was the uh the streaker that ran on the field in the middle of the game. I don't actually don't know what inning that was. Everything just kind of went crazy when that happened. But if a streaker uh, last night, goes onto a field and there's no camera there to film him, does he even exist? Hmm. There's a lot of cameras. You know, but none of them are on him. I was watching the broadcast on that one, and that's true. There was showing Schloss look looking kind of peeved. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, uh, Travis Brown asked him, uh, uh, Brazis, a reporter in the in the A and M area. He he asked. Um, David Pierce, Texas's coach, like if that was his neighbor, and I, I don't know what that means, but that was just a, a funny, a funny thing, I guess, from David Pierce. But I was at the game last night, and um, I have a question for you: Does it count still as a streaker if they only moon the crowd? Like he had, he was shirtless and had pants on, but then he mooned the crowd. Does that still count? I, I like this question because I was talking with my parents about this, actually, like independent <laughs> of you thinking about this last night. We're like, well, was it a streaker? Like, apparently he like had his, you know, had pants on, but then moon the crowd. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what level of nudity uh, uh, it, it requires in order for you to be a streaker. But I mean, this feels like you can have you, you can have butts on TV, right? Like that, that can be on cable. So like I don't I don't know if it crossed mm. into full nudity. It's true. He still got so he got two um, misdemeanors from that he, when he got arrested. He got criminal trespassing, which is just getting on the field, and then disorderly conduct. And, and that one is just for showing his butt. Like if he didn't show his butt, he would have just gotten the criminal trespassing. Oh man, that's what that's what that's what the university police said. And he's also an athlete at AM, is what that's that's what I heard, but uh, everything's just rumors, right? Unsubstantiated. <laughs> yeah, there there were also rumors that it was a longhorn, but it was like it was like uh, I don't know, it's pretty much guaranteed an Aggie, right? Yeah. Well, it wasn't enough to distract the Texas Longhorns, and that will segue <laughs> us nicely into our top story, which is the Texas Longhorns. Longhorns have extended their nation-leading winning streak to a grand total of 15 games with a road victory over the Texas A&M Aggies. Kyle, what did you see last night from the Longhorns? I saw um, a lot of hits, but only half of them left the infield. There were there were a few really, really well-placed bunts. Uh, and then there was a few just like regular singles that were like maybe a slightly better defense would have made the play on it. Like there, there was, there was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take away credit from Texas. They won that game. They had 15 hits. That's, that's uh, hard to do. They also left like 15 batters on base. I'm pretty sure. Um, so they had opportunities to blow it open more. And so maybe a little bit credit to and pitching for putting themselves in that hole and then, and then digging themselves out of it. Um, but 
like that kind of that step for me is something called the plum play unmade. It's more like a it's not an error. It doesn't go down in the in the spreadsheet as an error, but uh, it it still it feels like something that should have been like a play that should have been made. Um, and there yeah, were a lot game, of those for for the Aggies last night. And the whole game, the, the game definitely felt within reach for A and M mm-hmm. had it not been for the fact that A and M's offense looked pretty inept. Uh, yeah. I feel like Texas's offense really it reminded me a little bit of. Texas's offense from the Augie Garrido days. It, it just felt like that get on base any way you can, bunt singles yeah. just as good as a single that hits off the wall. It, if you advance the runner, that's success. It reminded me of back when Dishbach used to be a really, really pitcher friendly park. The Texas offense was just whatever you can give. That is great. You know, we're not going to hit 30 home runs a la Melendez, Hispanic Titanic a year ago. So Texas getting it done old school, which I, I love a little old school baseball. So I enjoyed the little slap against the shift type singles that that happened last night. Yeah, it seems to seems like the shift maybe messed up the Aggies a little bit last night. Um, but whatever whatever shift that the Longhorns had on was was working for them because there were so many times where uh, an Aggie batter just hit it, uh, hit a rocket and it went right to the left fielder or right at the shortstop. Um, and there was one that was a hard hit grounder that would have gone over anyone, any first baseman except for uh, the Longhorn first baseman who just jumped up and grabbed it. It was, it was, um, there, there were a few of those. And this Aggie offense is a little bit worrisome. They, they're, they're like the heart of their lineup went 0 for t- uh, 11, over 10 with, with two strike or three strikeouts, that's um, Hank Bard, Ryan Targodge, and Brett Minnick. Trevor Werner only had a hit and a walk. It's just, it's not getting it done. the The best hitter on this team is Jack Moss, and you need more than that from if you're going to try and compete in the SEC. So it was a five two loss. They got out hit fifteen to six. The the Aggies did, but I do want to mention Brett Minnick made his return for Texas A and M. He only had one at bat in the first game of the year before missing. Uh, 23 straight games due to a broken thumb. So I think a guy who batted a little over 300 for AM will eventually be a boost for the Aggies. And mm-hmm. then same with Trevor Warner. He's, I feel like, just one of the most injury-prone Aggie baseball players in recent memory. It just feels feel really bad for him. He had a hamstring issue earlier this year. He's batting last side check but below the Mendoza line, but I don't think that's going to uh, be something that sustains throughout the rest of the season so maybe maybe some reason to feel like the aggie offense will turn around perhaps the uh nickname of the game i'm gonna go to lebaron johnson jr for texas the uh, starting pitcher for the longhorns goes by lbj which is mm-hmm. uh when you play for texas a pretty great nickname to have that is uh, he, like the baron wasteland or something for, ooh, for like uh ooh, options here <laughs> but he uh only pitched three innings for the Longhorns and there were some hiccups he gave up one run but Pierce pulled him and in the in-game interview mentioned how LBJ probably will be pitching for the Longhorns on Sunday so looks like the Longhorns are going to be making some changes to their weekend rotation as conference play really gets going for them so I think he was a little bit effectively wild, sometimes more on the side of wild than effective, but he got the job done. So curious to see how he'll do in the weekend rotation. Yeah. And he's moved around a lot too. So he's had, he's had eight appearances on the year, um, 
I think five of them have been in the midweek. So he's been in the rotation a couple times. Um, I guess just maybe this was just a kind of an extended bullpen session here, three weeks, uh, uh, three innings. <laughs> Speaking of a bullpen session, they also threw Friday night ace Lucas Gordon for an inning. Oh, you got to love that. Just... You got to love that. This is what <laughs> this is why college of baseball. Th- these are the moments when college baseball is better than MLB for sure. Where it's like you would never see until like the World Series, a starter coming in to to do a like pitch in relief. But in college baseball, you do. Yeah, pitched in relief in a it was a really close game at the time. And it, it kind of felt pretty close the whole game. Uh, it was only one run game at the time. And they they threw their Friday night ace Lucas Gordon for an inning. AM also threw, I think it was eight batters for no more than three innings, like any of them. Ty Sexton was the best of those. God, that guy is so long. Did you did you watch? Did you see him? He's yeah. incredibly lanky. The commentators, uh, Kyle Peterson and other names escaping me right now, mentioned how it felt like there was a requirement that all of the pitchers had to be above six foot five because there was a string yeah. of incredibly tall pitchers. <laughs> LBJ is yeah, what six foot four. Sadeo uh, mm-hmm. is six foot something five. Yeah, Sexton six foot seven. Six seven one ninety. That's like that's only a little bit more than me, and he's a whole foot taller than me. <laughs> he's, he's probably twenty pounds more than me in a whole foot. I feel like he, he's just he's just incredibly lanky. Yeah, and he's he only pitches in low nineties. Give him a couple, I don't know, 10, 20 more pounds. And I feel like give him a mid-90s fastball and a release point that's basically right in front of you with six foot yeah. seven in <laughs> those long arms. And I Just feel like he has some, off the mound. Yeah. Sexton was the the bright spot for sure for the Aggie bullpen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, Schloss mentioned after the game that he was he felt he still felt good about all the moves he was making and he felt good about the pin. Uh there were like a, a string of of four pitchers or three pitchers in there, Brad Rudis, Bill Johnston, and Robert Hogan, where he pulled them. He pulled a few of them after just like 10 pitches and like, like not even going like a full third of an inning. Um, they just, they, it felt, it felt a little early for some of that, like before they were able to get going. But when you're, when your offense is only giving, getting two runs out of you, it's hard to feel like any, any uh, decision makes any sense. Yeah, it doesn't help the wind was blowing in. I think the Aggie offense needs to hit home runs in order to be successful. But all in all, over 7,000 people in a midweek game. The coaches managing the game as if it was a playoff game, postseason game. Great for baseball. Can't wait until this is a weekend series once again. Hopefully 2025 is when we see this for the first time as a weekend series. Actually, let's say if we're hoping for things, let's just hope it happens next year, but it's not. So let's let's hope that it happens in 2025. It could happen in the postseason this year. They could line up for the Super Regional. Oh, that would be great. Next up on the podcast, something or nothing. We have four topics here. Kyle, we have to decide whether or not they are something or nothing. A little bit thinking more about some of the midweek results. I want to touch base on a few interesting midweek results. Also thinking a little bit about how these results play into what's coming up this next weekend. So this will transition nicely from what we just saw in the midweek to what we will be looking at in weekend seven. So let's start off with Iowa. Iowa's had a really interesting, let's call it interesting, <laughs> interesting schedule. So Iowa played a non-division three team last night in the midweek for the first time in a little while. <laughs> Iowa's had made it a little habit of playing D3 teams. Uh, they played Illinois State last night, but they lost that one by a score of three to five. Is this something or nothing to you, Kyle? Uh, I think that's, Something that's really cool. That's uh, Illinois State is where I used to live. That's in. Uh, it's actually in the twins, the, like the sister city, I guess, 
um, of Normal, Illinois, which is just a great name for a small town in Illinois. Yeah, Normal, um, Illinois, that is like when I think of the Midwest, Normal, Illinois, those seem to go hand in hand. Well, there's also a like independent league team, like pro team called the Normal Corn Belters, which is, you know, just chef's kiss. <laughs> your your regular old American dudes <laughs> is an alternative <laughs> nickname. Yeah, per, yeah, pretty much exactly. But um, I say good for Illinois State. That's a that's a pretty fun win. It was on the road too, right? Yeah, it was in is in normal. Um, I say sucks to suck Iowa. <laughs> you schedule non Division one teams all the time. Always D three because that's what's close to you. I get it. I understand. Um, there's not a lot of non like conference opponents that are uh, within like an eight hour drive or something. Yeah. That's so, the, that's the root of it. Right. Is that they don't have mm-hmm. anyone close that isn't already in the big 10. So if they were trying to do some non-conference matchups in the midweek, they really just don't have that many options. And so they have played recently in the midweek grand view, uh, St. Thomas, which that's a, a newly D one school. They were D three as of recently. Uh, co uh, not, not the most Loris. Which again, I think I've already said this sounds like it should be a Dr. Seuss character. Yeah, Lorax. <laughs> yeah, the Lorax. Yeah. So uh where do we go with this one? I need an opinion from you, Kyle. Is this a something or a nothing? Uh, I think it's I'll go something. But yeah. I'm I think I'm leaning nothing on this one because I generally don't think too much of midweek games and Illinois State not not supremely talented or good this year a few years back when they had a really old team they had some nice success winning 30 plus games illinois state is not that team this year Uh, i think generally speaking i don't really fault iowa for not being able to Mm -hmm. to find these marquee non-conference matchups because they have at least made some of an someone of an effort to get non-conference matchups early on in the season obviously made their made their their dollar really with that lsu win Early on, that Kansas State win at the round, uh, round Rock Classic is starting to look better and better as Kansas State has now racked up some of their own wins. They also went over to the South Alabama Invitational, knocked off South Alabama, Pepperdine. These are schools that are non, not strangers to the postseason. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, beyond that, went on the road to Lubbock, 1-1 game at Texas Tech. That's never an easy thing to do. This schedule looks to me... For a Big Ten school, like a really nice schedule. So you know what? They had some weird D3 schools. They lost to Illinois State last night. I have this series circled, and we'll talk about it in just a little bit coming up this next week in Iowa versus Maryland. I think that one's going to be really the bellwether series this for the season so far. It's going to tell us a lot about Iowa. So I'm, I'm giving this one a nothing. And they're also done with non-D1 teams. This is That was their last one a couple weeks ago. So they're all right. They got... A couple of games against Bradley, UIC, another game against Illinois State. So they're fine. Who's Upper Iowa? I don't think that's a D1 school. I don't see that on the more Nolan schedule. Oh man, April 25th. Gotta go to the gotta go to the source, iowahawkeyesports.com. <laughs> you know, last time I, last time you said I couldn't go to a different page, and this time you said I, I can't go to the more Nolan. I don't know what to believe. Kyle, you're always wrong. That's that's the takeaway okay. here. Oh, okay, got it. Hey Kyle, is this something or nothing? Oklahoma is on a five-game skid heading into four very likely tough games against the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, I'm going to go first. I'll take this one. I'm going to say this is a something. I remember when we were talking about this at the beginning of the year, we circled the series and said, 
we weren't particularly high on Oklahoma at the beginning of the year. We had them pretty far down in our poll. And we said this is either going to be a series against two teams. Maybe Oklahoma is really better than we thought. And this is going to be a top 25 series. And this is going to be maybe a precursor of what to, to expect in the Super Regional or in Omaha. Or this is going to be a series with a really desperate Oklahoma team that needs some marquee wins in order to feel like it has a chance to make the NCAA tournament. And it's the latter, really. This is a this is a this is a huge something for me. Oklahoma uh, recently got swept over the weekend. We got uh, quite a bit of complaints after Oklahoma uh, won uh, a series, uh, and we moved them to our into our top fifty. Um, we, we got some chirps saying that we really should have put them in our top 25. We were a little reluctant to do that. And obviously we every, should have ranked them number one. Every yeah. once in a while you get validated. We're not always right, but every once in a while, uh, after you don't rank a team very highly, they go on a five game losing streak. So <laughs> you feel a little bit better about yourself, but Oklahoma is at 13 and 12 overall. That's that, that is recoverable. 13 and 12 is recoverable with four games coming up against Stanford. You go three and one, win that series, you're sitting at 16 and 13, uh, with, uh, just below 500 in, in conference play. You can see a path forward for Oklahoma, but I don't know. I I, I don't know if I really see that coming. So I'm saying this is a something and I'm saying Oklahoma does not necessarily do well in this series. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying it's something too. Luckily, like you said, if they can maybe win a game in this, don't, don't get swept. Obviously in a four game, it's really hard to they do. They have to win. They uh, have to win two games. You can't one and three yeah. at home. You need, you need to go two and two baseline. What, what I was saying is that luckily next up they have at Baylor, which is, as far as road series in the Big Twelve, that's that's one that you want on the road because yeah. Mercer swept that Baylor this year. Yeah, and then they also have Oral Roberts, which is you know top hundred RPI team that is over five hundred. It's pretty good. Wichita State that they just went on the road and lost to um, last night, I guess. Uh, so maybe they can win that game at home. So like they have an easier stretch after the Stanford series. So just don't don't get swept. I mean, I guess according to John, you got to lose, you got to win too, but. Honestly, I feel like you need to win this series if you're Oklahoma. This is like we are uh, inches away from the just full on panic button in my mind. With yeah, this is yeah, like you start <laughs> this is when you start throwing games to get higher draft picks if you're Oklahoma. <laughs> Which is <laughs> this is team tank. Yeah, they are 117 right now in RPI plus which uh, really you need to be top 40 to feel like you have a chance of getting an at-large bid. 77 spots, it's a lot, a lot of season left. If they uh, pull off an amazing four-game sweep, go 4-0, and they'll probably end up 30, 40 spots higher, and I think there's a path forward. I think 2-2 and doesn't get the job done because home wins don't count as much as as home losses do in the RPI. They have to win this series in my mind. This is like the, one of the earliest must-win series you can have, but that's that's where they are at, in my opinion. How something or nothing. East Carolina has six losses on the year. That's not that bad. That's pretty good. Like Six, six losses to go with 19 wins, 761 percentage. I like it. Five of those losses are in the midweek, and only one of them was on a weekend game. Is that something or nothing? I think it's nothing. I think that just means that your pitching depth is not like insane. It's still really good if that means because that means that they've only lost one weekend game, which means they've swept just about the rest of their schedule. So that means their weekend pitching is deep. 
And usually if you have three games in the postseason, like in that uh, regional format, you can usually end up get, pitching your starter in game seven if you need to in, in that last game, if, if you if it gets there. But the way they're playing, they might not need to. So I think I think it's nothing. Yeah, I, I guess I'll lean something maybe. I, and I only, the reason I say that is because they haven't just their bats haven't shown up in the midweek. They they only mm-hmm. scored three runs in their loss against UNCW. Uh, a week ago, they lost one to two to Campbell, uh, a five eight loss in the midweek, a two three loss. Um, nine nothing against Duke. Yeah, nine nothing against Duke. Uh, they another one run loss to to Campbell. It's these are just this ECU offense is better than that. And mm-hmm. it's odd to me that they can't kind of get excited for midweek games. Um, they have a few more pretty big time midweek games coming up against NC State, Old Dominion. Yeah, even that midweek game at Charlotte, that's a really offensive team. North Carolina, they, like they, if they're going to be serious about a top eight seed, like we saw last year, they need to win some of these midweek games. And that's why I'm going to call it a something. Um, I don't think they're gonna have any troubles in the American. I, I think we, we we touched on that in the last podcast. I think they're gonna they're doing really well on the weekends. They have a nice pitching staff. They should be successful when it comes to winning conference series in the American and probably sweeping a lot of them. But they need to win more midweek games. Their RPI plus is pretty good. It's sitting at twenty seven. If they want to be hosting though, they obviously got to get that into the top fifteen or so. Last one, Kyle. Something or nothing. Coastal Carolina knocked off UNC in Chapel Hill last night. I'll go something. That's kind of a fun one. That was it was a, a wild game from like what I could see. I, I watched the highlights today because I was watching a game live last night. But that was a it was a pretty back and forth game that <laughs> featured four errors total, a lot of hits, a lot of runs, an eight run inning and an eight run eighth inning. So maybe a little bit of a North Carolina blow up. So um, yeah, I'll go something. That, that was a fun game. Yeah, think I think I'm going to go something because Coastal Carolina has now shot in uh, to the top 20 when it comes to RPI plus. So they're sitting at 17. They have really made the climb up the RPI plus board, which is really, I think you start to take these teams seriously when, when they're sitting uh, close to where teams can possibly end up hosting regionals. Uh, I don't think it's as big of a deal for UNC. I mean, any one game, when it comes to ACC play, they're going to have a lot more opportunities to get some nice RPI wins. Coastal Carolina with the Sun Belt really also will have some good opportunities because when you look at uh, uh, conference RPI at this point, Sun Belt is, is up to number five. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the conference, conference USA likely moving up in RPI when they were sitting outside the top 10. Conference USA has moved up to number eight, just as an aside. So the... Uh, we're starting to see, I think, a, a few uh, competitive conferences beyond the Power Four. Let's call it SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12. We have the Sun Belt, Big 10, Big West Conference, USA, all right on their tails. So uh, I think it's a something for Coastal because this gives them an opportunity to potentially host a regional. I don't think it's a big deal necessarily for UNC. Hey, John, what is RPI Plus? Ooh, good question. So... Uh, a few years ago, I decided that it was worthwhile to try to figure out what is going on inside the committee's head when it comes to picking teams for the postseason. Bad idea. Yeah, uh, which anytime you're trying to predict human behavior, like no algorithm is going to be able to do that. 
And so what I really decided to set out to do was we know that RPI is important and that actually RPI alone does a pretty solid job of predicting who's going to be in the postseason or not. But every once in a while, the committee will choose a, a really outside of the kind of top 40, 45 range team. And you're like, why did that team end up in the postseason? Or like last year, you'll have a team that's in like the 30s for RPI NC State that gets left out. And so RPI Plus is a modified RPI tool, which takes into account some of the other things that it seems like the committee is thinking about. So that's conference record. We know anecdotally, if you're below 500 in conference, it's really hard to get into the tournament. And so RPI Plus considers that. It also incorporates conference strength of uh, conference strength. Um, so something else that we also have seen the committee play out is that the committee has favorite conferences. And so the cool thing about RPI Plus is it's a little bit better than the RPI at predicting which teams will make it into the um, into the NCAA tournament. And in the last three years, it's been better at, than RPI alone at predicting uh, who's going to be in the postseason. So RPI Plus, that's a quick primer on it. It also correctly picked the top eight seeds and 14 of the top 16 regional hosts in 2021. So that's pretty cool. It's a good feather yeah, in the cap. It has some nice moments for sure. But because these, because it's a human committee and that this human committee changes every few years, it's it's not a perfect tool. It's just another tool in my toolbox when it comes to determining whether or not a team's going to make it in the tournament or a team maybe will end up hosting a regional. There are no good models. There are some that are useful, though. That sounded almost wise, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, it's, it's, uh, it's all models are wrong, but some are useful. That's what it is. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with 10 picks in five minutes. Kyle, are you ready for the fastest segment on the pod? 10 picks in five minutes off the air. We've given each other 10 series to pick for week seven in college baseball. We each have five series that we have to pick on the air. We only get half a minute. Yes, 30 seconds to make and defend our picks. We will get buzzed if we run out of time. Uh, buzzed by the dinger, not as in have to do a shot, but we could turn this into a drinking game at some point. That That's might fun. make the podcast a little bit more entertaining. But mm-hmm. first up on the pick um, Kyle, is you with a Big Ten matchup. Let's start the clock. Maryland traveling to Iowa. Got to get my uh, coin flip app ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, referencing the fact that I'm a perfect 500 in the, in the year in Pickums. I think that's the goal, right? Not, not to be really good. Um, so I went with Iowa in this series. Oh, it's mostly just because it's a home home team. Like their 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 stats look really good on the year, but three of those games are against non, uh, uh, non D1 teams, which we already talked about. I don't know. I I'm I'm just feeling the home team here. Give me Iowa. They've got they've got some decent pitching, and their hitting is fine. A coin has spoken. Yeah. Um, Now you get Southern Miss at Troy. I did not want to pick this one. I I thought this was going to be easy. I really thought this was going to be like, oh, yeah, Southern Miss. Troy hits a lot of home runs, like Mm -hmm. a lot of home runs. And that feels dangerous. This series is at Troy. I really want to pick the Golden Eagles in this one. I, I want I want I think the reality is I want Southern Miss to be better than they actually are. And so I'm picking Troy in this one. I pitching staffs are actually relatively comparable in terms of performance. I think in terms of talent, Southern Miss's pitching staff is better. Troy's offense is pretty lethal. Give me Troy. Oregon State traveling to Washington and some Pac-12 action. 
Yeah. Um, I went with Washington here. Washington just knocked off UCLA um, this past weekend. I think that was in Seattle. Is that right? It was in LA. Um, Even more impressive. It was in LA. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think I think Oregon State is trending the wrong way. Their offense is is typical. They have a typical West Coast team pitching. Their ERA is twelfth uh, in the country. Woba is one hundred and forty first. Um, so give me the home team here that it's more well-rounded. Give me Washington. You get um, Texas to Oklahoma State. The longest winning streak in the country will end sometime this weekend. I'm calling it here, picking the Cowboys over the Longhorns. What a what a great mascot matchup. That's Cowboys and Longhorns. It's just it's just beautiful. I'm, I'm calling the Cowboys to wrangle up the Longhorns in this one. I think the pitching of Oklahoma State is going to be just enough. I don't think that the bats of Texas will travel quite as much as they need to to O'Bray. Give me the home team, Cowboys. ACC action, number 10, Louisville's traveling to NC State. Oof. Man, NC State has has kind of gone in, in a different direction too. They've, I mean, they're, they're number 10 in the RPI right now, but I, I just, they, they have not played well of late. They just lost the series on the road at Miami. I also lost the series at home against Virginia, lost the series on the road to Boston college. So they're, they're turning the wrong direction and Louisville. I know just lost the series too, but I, I like their team overall just a, just a little bit better. Um, they've got uh, Ryan Hawks pitching well on Friday nights. Uh, Carson Liggett also, so yeah, give me the cards. Um, next for you is Ole Miss at Texas A&M. Combined one and eleven in SEC play right here. Someone's coming out of this series with some renewed hope. Someone's coming out of this with maybe the the their last rights read to them. Uh, give me the Aggies in this one. So I'm predicting that Ole Miss starts the year either one and eight or zero oh and nine in SEC play. Uh, I think these teams are actually. Uh, similar in the fact that they both have pretty big glaring weaknesses. Ole Miss's is their pitching staff. I like AM's pitching staff. Some of the commentators last night were saying that the pitching staff has had some weaknesses. It has. I think it's the offense, really, that's the problem for the Aggies, but they'll get the job done against the Rebs. Give me AM. Sticking with the ACC for you, I'm giving you North Carolina traveling to Notre Dame, who just knocked off Louisville, like you said. Yeah, they did, but. Somehow they did it without offense because their uh their offense their offensive stats have a lot of red in it. They're 281st in the country in Woba, 300th in batting average. Their pitching staff is fine. Like they they've got a few good pitchers. They've got uh Blake Helly that's got a sub four ERA, which is fine, like good enough. How college. did this team beat Louisville? Is my question. I don't <laughs> like... know. <laughs> I was trying to do a, dig- a deep dive into it, but I I don't understand. Um, but I went with the road team here. Give me the Tar Heels on the road. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't feel good about it. Up next for you is Oregon at Arizona. Picking between these two teams is not easy. Speaking of things I don't feel good about, Arizona just lost a series to Arizona State. I think they got swept, if memory serves me right. So Arizona's not coming off anything too special. I am, again, picking the home team here, keep, keeping with the theme, 4-4 four for four on home teams so far. I think Arizona gets a bounce-back weekend. Honestly, when you look at Arizona's team as a whole... They have a few big bats. They have enough arms to get. I feel like this Arizona team is, should be better. So um, I'm calling the talent to regress to the mean here, and Wildcats will get the job done. 
Last up for you, one of the most exciting series of the entire year. The Tennessee Volunteers traveling to the LSU Tigers. Baton Rouge will be bouncing. Who do you have? Yeah, this is preseason number one versus number two. It's t- Tennessee's kind of fallen off a little bit after that sweep on the road against Missouri, but coming like bouncing back and sweeping A and M has got to feel pretty good. The way they the way they won that series is not the way you'd expect. They did it with offense. Their pitching staff is the best in the country, pretty much. Like is up there with the best in the country, um, and their pitching staff wasn't great. Uh, LSU's offense is just going to be too much for them. They're second in the country in Woba, also eighth in the country in ERA. It's it's just a well-rounded team that that I, I like at home. So give me give me LSU. LSU good. Yeah, LSU good. Uh, next for you is Old Dominion at Georgia Southern. Another Sunbelt matchup. Give me the Monarchs. Uh, I'm really disappointed. I think at some point in my life, I thought the Monarchs meant they were Monarch Butterflies. I think it's like Royal Monarchs, which is way mm. less fun. Uh, I'd rather have them be the butterflies. Someone correct me if I'm wrong on that one. If they're the butterflies, then I would, yeah. If they're the butterflies, I really want them to win. Uh, but Old Dominion, uh, one of the most prolific offenses in the country, Georgia Southern has had some pitching issues. This is a a strength versus a weakness situation. Old Dominion will cream the Georgia Southern pitching staff right on time ish. Uh, I only can (laughs) say that because I control the clock so I can buzz whenever I want. (laughs) I wish that OU Stanford series was a three game series so we could have it in our pick them, but I think that's another interesting one. Just as a as a bonus, I'm picking Stanford to win that series on the road. Me too. It's that time again. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It's mail time. Mail time. And what <laughs> Yeah. Just like a child, Kyle loves repetition. <laughs> yeah. I also blues clues. So we only have one question to reach into our mailbag and pull out from Philip of the 1012 podcast. Short and sweet, say something nice about the Big 12. Kyle, you have anything nice to say about the Big 12? Um, yeah, probably. Let's see. I love the hate that is thrown around in this this uh these friendly neighbors, you know. Uh What's the saying? Familiarity breeds contempt. So all these people, have, all these schools have been around each other for 100 or 100 more years, and they all hate each other. And that's that's what makes college sports great, is hate. It feels like the, the hate in the Big 12 has gone up a notch with OU and Texas leaving. I think anytime a team wins a series against one of those two, it's going to be just like a little, little bit of extra umph behind that oh, series yeah. W. Yeah, if if Houston can win a football game over Texas and Houston this year, that would, it would just it send Texas out on the right note. And same with any um, Big Twelve series next year, because next year they're still in the Big Twelve for the baseball season too, right? Yep, we have one more baseball season with all of all of this, so it's going to be wild in the Big Twelve. So I'll say that, yeah, the Big Twelve is one of the most interesting conferences. Uh, no matter what you can say about all the chaos that's been ensuing around. Teams leaving, teams coming in. They are incredibly entertaining. I think that when I think about the Big 12 this year, I don't I don't really know what to think of them holistically as a conference. So this part is not going to be as nice. They have a couple teams that are doing really poorly in RPI+. Plus. I mean, Baylor, Kansas uh, are around 200 in, in the RPI, in the RPI+. Plus. So that's not great. 
And even a team like Oklahoma and Kansas State, they're they're hanging around 100. If the season were to end right now in terms of just the RPI, RPI plus, there's probably only three or four teams that are getting into the tournament just based off that metric, which is obviously not how how it works. TCU sitting at 45, West Virginia 40, Oklahoma State 19, Texas 12. So in some ways, I'm I'm a little confused. I'm not really sure what's you know where the Big 12 is heading. Flip side though is I think Texas and Oklahoma State now both in the top 20 and RPI plus are really turning into very legitimate contenders for top 16 seeds. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see if any of them get into the top eight. I think both of those places are incredibly hard to get to Omaha through if you're a visiting team. So I really do think that there's a legitimate chance that we have two Omaha teams from the big 12. If we see Texas, Oklahoma state uh, in a posting or maybe even hosting super regionals. So a little bit of chaos, few bottom feeders i do think there's some legitimate omaha contenders in the big 12 i mean that's not the hottest take or anything but i think that like i we haven't seen you know a, a year where there's been like several big 12 teams in omaha recently i think this could be it. i think there's a couple teams right there that you're like yeah if they end up at home throughout the whole postseason they're getting to omaha probably like who's beating yeah. texas in austin like I, I i don't know if anyone like no matter how good or bad texas is it's hard to beat texas in austin that is true. We also, I also said so that we'd say something nice about uh, the ten twelve pod, and uh, I, I like, the, I love the ten twelve pod. They're uh, expanding, always expanding, and doing um, a lot of work. It seems like it's a lot of work to keep up with all that, and um, I'm impressed with how they can do it. So there you go. Follow Especially if you're pod. if you're into uh, college softball, check out their yeah. coverage of not only Big Twelve baseball, Big Twelve softball as well. Thanks for listening to the College Baseball Nation podcast. If you haven't already, rate podcasts help us get the word out. Check out our social media at College Ball Net on Instagram and Twitter. Our website is collegebaseball.info. We appreciate you listening to the pod. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.